Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Hallelujah. You guys don't know this, but the the um, people that were in this space before us, they fought for years to get that parking lot paved and, uh, and to get other things done around here that have already been done. In the last two months, uh, we've had everything done to get up to code and had all the stuff done and paid for. And I said this last Sunday, but I just want to hit it again because they were fighting for that parking lot to be resealed for and redone for years. And in the first two months we've been here, it's done. Amen. Amen. We've got a lot of growing to do, but amen, we can celebrate what's been done. Amen. You can't fake God's favor. You just can't fake God's favor. Amen. It's just real. It's tangible. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 8. I know there's other things to do yet, but thank you. Thank you. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 8. We're going to begin there. And I'm going to be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Holler at me if you have it. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. Someone say amen. Amen. All right. Um. I think this is an awesome day. Um, there are, there's quite a few people not here. You can look around and see that. But you know what? We come for Jesus. Amen? We come for him alone, not for who's here. And this is not the end of where we have begun. We, we started something here. These are roots that are growing something mighty and powerful. So I want you just to be encouraged. I'm not just addressing it because I think it needs to be addressed. Uh, some weeks I will not say anything about something like that, but there are some weeks where I feel like I should say something because I don't want anybody to be discouraged in the process, amen? We're in, we're in building mode, amen? We're building brick by brick, mortar on, and brick on top of each, each row, and then eventually God will do something amazing, and there will be so many that know of this place that they will want to come no matter who and it is not here. We will not feel it so much, just because, um, just because the 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 sanctuary is so large, and there's a few that don't make it. Just means that we need to fill it. Amen. We need to be we need to be good witnesses and and bring people with us and fill our cars and bring friends and and also um, with that I would also want to say that please remember Kids Life the end of this month. Seth, would you come and take the offering and. With Kids Life, we want to bring out as many of the children that we know, friends, get a hold of friends, get a hold of um, co-workers, and invite them to bring their children to our Kids Life rally on the 29th of November. I want to say the 29th of November, that is the big date that I want you to focus on. Um, today, our core, our Core 7 group, our, our leadership is going to be planning 2016. Would you keep them in prayer this afternoon? Would you do that for me? Anyone that's here, would you pray for them and help them um, through your prayers to be attentive to the Spirit of the Lord in leading this church and setting up the calendar for next year and what God wants to do for us? Amen. That's all the announcements. So let's pray together for the offering. Jesus, I ask you to bless this, the gift, the giver. And would you increase, Lord God, what you have brought into the house to be used for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You can also give online. How many have given online? How many enjoy giving online? It's so simple. If you haven't tried it, go to our website, click on give, and it's it's super simple. Just follow the directions. And um, you'll find out that it's easier even than giving in here. So, and that's pretty simple. Second Timothy uh, two, Second Timothy four, verse one through eight. The scripture says this, and I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead, when He comes to set up His kingdom. Everyone say, set up His kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, 
and encourage your people with good teaching. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound of wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. How many know that's a picture of our day? we're living in but he but you should keep a clear mind everyone say a clear mind in every situation don't be afraid of suffering for the lord oh man that's a big one don't be afraid of suffering for the lord work at telling others the good news it says work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry god has given you how many know god's given every one of us a ministry even if it's not behind a pulpit every one of us has a ministry For as me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. I want to say crown of righteousness. That's a big point, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I want to talk to you for a little while about following Jesus. The greatest thing you can do in your life is not be perfect, but it can be following the one who was perfect. Jesus, we love you. We want your spirit to move and your, your word to speak into our hearts. Would you help us today to receive the word? Help me to do a good job in a little bit of time. In Jesus' name, everyone say, everyone say amen. 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 You may be seated. I wanted to tell a story to start today. And um, the story might have been told before, but it's a good story for fitting into what I want to talk about, about following, Je- following Jesus. When I, I grew up in Alaska, which you know that, right? Alaska stories get told all the time. Um, how many can handle pastor telling one more Alaska story? <laughs> um, I, went, I went bear hunting in 2010. Now, this is bear, bear hunting. This is the real deal, like big, ugly, big claws, big, you know, amazing bears. And we decided that we were going to float on a canoe down this river, which is what you're supposed to do. And we're going to shoot a bear from the canoe, and then get out and, you know, get the hide. Now, if you're not good with hunting, I'm sorry. Um, I'll tell a vegetable joke next week or something. But (laughs) so the problem was the guy that I was going with, he was a good friend in in the church in Alaska where I grew up. And he said, well, I've guided people before. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's that's great. I, I can I can follow him because he's a good guide, right? He can he can lead me. I don't have to worry about it. He has the the guns and he's got the canoe and and everything. And so I kind of just trusted him. And after I went on this trip, I talked to my old youth pastor who's still at the church. He said, "Oh yeah, did you hear about the story the one time where he's putting his gun in my truck and he discharged it and blew out the front window?" And I'm like, "And I went in the woods with that guy? What was I thinking?" But I actually trusted I actually trusted him and thought, "Man, this guy's lived up here all his life. He knows." And he's like, "Oh, I've been there before." Well, the problem is the lake stays about the same as far as depth. It doesn't really change that much. But the river can change when there's not a rainy, a heavy rainy season up there. And he didn't check the depth of the river. So we're floating downstream in a canoe and literally there's places in the water where the canoe's going and it's like almost stopping, literally, because we're hitting the bottom of the river. And you can't put a paddle in the water without hitting a salmon. There's so many salmon, the river just looks red. It was the craziest thing. Have you ever seen red salmon before, how red they are? And I'm putting paddles in the water, and as I'm paddling, I'm slapping fish. I'm like, yeah, take that. It was so much fun. I was enjoying myself, but so I had my gun like kind of set on the front of the canoe and we were going down this river and as the as the day was going on I was becoming more and more regretful that I chose to follow this man and that that I didn't check in on things and then you know my brother is like bro 
Did you check the river levels? He's like, I just went to Google Earth and I can see rocks everywhere. Well, the river that was supposed to be able to be paddled down in a canoe had turned into class five rapids. So we are literally in a canoe going down rapids. And I got my guns in a safe place. I'm like holding it with my knees as hard as I can. And I have to paddle because we're literally going over rocks and different things in a canoe. We needed a raft. And so we get to one point and we're turning a corner and I can see all the water is rushing around the corner and slapping into this huge bank of rock. And we get there and I can't row hard enough. And all of a sudden we hit that rock and we turn and the whole canoe fills with water and we fall out. And as I'm falling out, the only thing I can do is, is cry out Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're going to die here. I don't want to die here. And so I fall out of the canoe, the, the rush of water pushes me against that wall of rocks, and now I'm getting slapped with the waves into the rocks. And I'm standing there going, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I'm prayed up, <laughs> because if I need to go, it's, it's okay. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm literally going, I don't think this is how I die. I really don't think this is the end for me. And I'm like, Lord, just help us out. And so then I have one hand on the canoe. I'm getting hit by the water. And so I'm trying to make my way off these rocks where the water's turning and rushing into me. And my friend is literally like trying to grab everything out of the canoe and set it back in the canoe. So we have a canoe full of water, barely floating, with a bunch of stuff floating in it, trying to keep it all together. And finally, we were able to like kind of like grab all the stuff, put it on the bank, tip the canoe, and get back in and head back down the river. For the next five miles on the river, we keep picking up stuff that was in the canoe on the way down the river because it had floated ahead of us. And luckily, it got caught in something all the way down to like the jug of water that we lost. We found almost everything. But in the first few minutes right after that happened, I was like, I was like really kind of, I felt gypped. I felt like someone didn't prepare ahead. Someone didn't check on every detail. Someone didn't plan very good. And I was trusting that that was being done by the guide, by my friend who had done this before, the same trip before. And yeah, there was there was promise of bears. It was supposed to be good hunting. I mean, there was salmon carcasses all on the side where the bears had been eating and on rocks and everything. And so finally, we're like, there's, there's, there's no way there's going to be any good hunting after that because we made all kinds of noise. And we lost one of his shotguns in the water and there was a big log and he caught. And I'm telling the story because I want you to understand the impact of how it felt because I spent money to go there. I had spent 300 something dollars on a bear license. I had done all of this stuff preparing myself for the trip, but there was someone who didn't prepare to lead me in the trip. You see what I'm saying? And I was following that person. I want you to see the impact of that because there are some things that the enemy will try to sell you that are prepared for you and they're not prepared for you. There's things that he'll try to give you and he'll try to say, hey, this will be good for you. You need to seek after that or follow after that. And guess what? When you get to the end of those things, you will find nothing but regret and pain and sorrow because, and you will feel gypped in life because you feel like you followed something that was promising something it couldn't deliver. And when you follow Jesus, he will never promise something that he cannot deliver. He will never leave you in a place of regret. And I want to make good decisions. And my good decisions start with deciding to follow Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. And so what I did was I, I, I started having this internal battle going on of how much do I tell this guy my disappointment about what's going on with this trip. And so we're, we're like, I, I just kind of kicked into ministry mode and I'm like, well, I'll just help him out and, and we'll get through this and, and I'll just cut my losses, you know, no big deal. It's just a trip. I can come back another time. I didn't really feel like gutting a bear today anyways. Okay. So I, cause I'm not like a huge hunter, but this was going to be an amazing trip. So we're digging along this rock looking for the shotgun that he lost in the water that his dad gave to him when he was 16. And he was a really big loss for him. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to help him out. I'm going to help him find this gun. So I'm like, hey, bro, it's got to be right here. The water all turns the corner and it's got to, it's got to have been right here. So we're digging along and all of a sudden he comes up out of the water. He's like down in the water looking along this log and he comes up out of the water like Rambo. It was like... I mean, you could hear music in the background. 
and he's like, he found his, the gun that his dad had given to him, passed down, I think, from his grandfather, I believe it was. And he comes out and he's like, yeah. and it's like in slow motion because I was like, no. Because if he shot that gun, every bear in the county would run because it was a shotgun. And he goes, yeah. into the air. And I'm like, this guy has no idea what to do when he's guiding. You just ruined my hunt. And not only that, but if you go through any kind of gun safety, you do not fire a weapon that's been down in mud and stuff. The barrel could be plugged. He could have blown his face off. This guy. So as soon as he did that, I went, I am not safe here. <laughs> I am really not safe. And so I was like, I don't know what the rest of this trip holds, but so far, this has been a tragic disaster. And so I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness. So at some points, we're literally carrying the canoe down the river because there's no way for it to float down the river. And so we get to the end of the line and What's funny about that is, is actually, we, I did get a chance. There was one bear dumb enough to hang around. So we're like floating along, you know, hitting the bottom all along. And then all of a sudden we like float out and the, the banks kind of open up and it takes, the river takes a bend this way and goes around this little island. And as we were floating in, there was enough space that I looked to my left and there is this bear on the bank. And I'm like, oh boy. And so I like I went to grab my gun, but because we had so much stress before we got there, I had I set my oar down, and when I set my oar down, I hit the side of the boat, and he saw us first. So when I floated in the, into the opening and saw him, he was already coming up on his back feet. So he went, like, who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And I put my oar down, and I kicked. I clicked the side of the boat and he didn't like that and he jumped into the woods so I I had my gun up and I was turning but I didn't get to him but that was the only the only possible thing that I could have done in that whole trip because of all the noise we made trying to get to that point and literally I don't think this guy if you were to stand back and look at the way this guy was guiding you'd think he never had even been in the woods before I don't know if that's a good sense he never literally walked anybody through this process before it was like the first time and so by the end of that hunt, he had to take a bicycle back and get the vehicle because we dropped the, we dropped a bicycle by the bridge, parked the vehicle, floated down. And so I'm sitting there with the canoe, with all of its stuff, the remainder of its stuff in it, and the guns, and I can hear bears in the woods laughing at me. Like, <laughs> and literally they're playing in the woods all around and I have no bear and I have spent 300 and something dollars on a license and a thousand something dollars on a ticket to get there. And, and here I am, all a big, huge lesson in who not to follow, Reese. And I, was, I saw this picture at the Family Christian Bookstore yesterday and I took a picture of it and then I made this graphic. But notice that Jesus is walking out on water and I followed that guy out on, into a hunt that was unsafe. And I knew it was unsafe. But we had guns and we had protection. The things, to, you know, things that we could use to, to protect ourselves. But Jesus will lead you to some places that are very high risk. But he'll never lead you astray. I don't know if I can communicate this the way I want to. But I'm glad these keys are still up here. Because when Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? God literally returned to him. After he spoke what God was to him, Betty, God said what you are. And so whenever we start telling God who he is to us, Lord, you're my savior, you're my Lord, you're my, you're my everything. When we start surrendering our life to God and, and making our statement to him of who he is, that my life is yours. You can do what you want with it. I take all risks and I lay them in your life, God, that you died for me. And if you died for me, you know what's best for me. And if you know what's best for me, then I give my life to you. And you hold the keys to everything in my life. And literally what Jesus did there was he said, because Peter, you say what I am I will show you the keys to who you are 
And so Jesus, for every one of us, puts the key to who we are in his person and says, come and follow me and I will show you everything that you were meant to be. But if you chase everything else in life, you will never find out what you could truly be. And so for me, in the beginning, I remember I was praying. My mom used to play the piano on the platform. And I was praying like right over here. I remember maroon carpet. Remember that maroon carpet that was so plush and everybody thought it was the thing to have at their church? And I remember the tear falling off my face the day that God called me to ministry. And it was like slow motion. I just remember it falling to the carpet and staining the carpet with one tear. And my mom was right there and she's playing the piano. I'm so glad that the Lord said. This is when you could pass a song book between her hands while she's playing and she could keep playing the song. Dun, 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 dun. I'm so glad that the Lord me. And so I'm sitting there and altar calls going on, but I'm oblivious to everything that's going on because I'm telling Jesus that you're my everything. And it just takes like this envelopment moment where I just have me Jesus there. And I knew that for the rest of my life, I was going to be taking risks to become what he wanted me to be. And all of us have to get to that point. It's a personal decision for you. You have to decide for yourself. Does he hold the key to your life? Does he hold your future? And if he does, then surrender everything to him. Because that is the most important person to follow is Jesus. It was selfish at first, Rob. It was selfish. I was, I was like, I want to see how far God can take me out of brokenness. Because I had such a broken home and such a broken situation. I wanted to see what God had put in me. So I wanted to see every talent, every opportunity brought out of me. And so it was selfish. I was like, I want all of what God has for me. And I don't want to die till I see everything he has for me. And so I chased him kind of selfishly at first. But as my relationship built, I realized that I wasn't being guided by somebody that would leave me with regret. I wasn't following a guy into the woods bear hunting that didn't know how to lead me. I was following Jesus who knows my every thought and every intent and he knows the places in my heart that are closed that you don't know that I'm working on and the places in your heart that we don't know that God's working on. He knows you so well. That is the key, amen? And so that's important because without that, I couldn't be who I am today. I couldn't do what I am today. But I tell you that along the way, there are things that tried to sell me out. Now, I've got a ton of scriptures, and I, I may not even get to those today. And I'm sorry that I don't have such heavy scripture-rich stuff for you, except for up there in my laptop. But how many want $100? Anybody here want $100? $100? Someone want $100? You want $100? Carla, you want $100? You okay with me giving you $100? Is everybody okay with me giving this $100 to Carla? Everybody okay with that? Nobody? <laughs> It's your money. All right, I'm going to give you this $100, but I want to do an illustration first. This, How many know $100 can buy quite a few things still? It's pretty good. It's better than handing her a one, right? So if I give her this $100, I want you to just look at that $100 for a minute and see if there's anything special about that $100. It's a Jamaican $100 bill. Yeah, that's awesome, right? If I'm in Jamaica, yeah. <laughs> but it's a $100 bill, right? Yeah. Can I have a $100 bill from your wallet for that $100 bill, please? Would you give me $100 for that $100 bill? I don't have a $100 bill in my wallet. <laughs> but would you trade me if... if probably, probably not. I don't think I'm going there. No? No. no? So you so, have to take it back. Oh. <laughs> she gave it back to me. That was really nice of her, wasn't it? Anybody else want a $100 bill? You want a hundred dollar bill? Would you give me a hundred dollars for this hundred dollar bill? Would you trade me a hundred dollars American? A play money? No, I need a hundred dollars American. Anybody have a hundred dollars American for a hundred dollar Jamaican Bank of Jamaica? This is a real a hundred dollar bill from Jamaica. Nobody wants to give me a hundred dollars for this one hundred dollars. Straight trade. Uh, there we go. Now we're getting to it. The Jamaican hundred dollar bill. It's worth about 84 cents. 
This is what the devil does to you. He sells you on something that seems like it's so much more valuable. And he takes so much more from you. And that's the illustration here. I could give you $1 and it'd be worth more than this $100 bill. And I want you to know that what God gives you, even if it's small, is so much more valuable than all that the enemy promises you. Could we thank the Lord for that, that he gives us such great value? Would you bow your heads with me for a second? Let's just pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that you do such awesome things. But Lord, I'm grateful that you don't have empty promises, that you are literally a God who gives us everything that we need. And Lord Jesus, you don't promise what you don't deliver. Lord, whenever you say it, you give it. And Jesus, you put the price tag of living for you up front. You said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I'm grateful for that. So yes, I want to serve you with all my life. I have a label maker at work. Anybody have a labeler at work? Sometimes when I go um, to um, what's called an upgrade, I do some things where I have to travel a little bit. And um, thank God for a good team that can fill in. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for our Bible study teachers. Amen. But when I travel, sometimes I'm doing an upgrade and they'll have a, they'll have a label on a camera because I do these cameras on the walls and audio stuff. And the label on the camera will not even apply to what's going on with the system. But somebody left the label on there because they don't know that everything has changed. The label no longer is applicable. Everything is different. But because they don't understand it, they leave the label and just leave it there in place. And I want you to know that you need to fight the labels of this world. It's one thing for us to label things because we understand them and we want to put them in place. I label things because I want to organize. Anybody organized here? Any organized people? I came in here last night and I worked till like midnight because I had to organize some stuff because I just can't function in a place that's not organized and I'm still working and it's going to be nice. But there's sometimes whenever I, I see things where people put labels on things and those people are so much bigger than that label. How many have ever been labeled something and you knew that down deep inside there was more in you that God had to bring out and if you just keep following him, he'll make you bigger than that label the world's trying to give you. I want you to know that even the term Christian was given to us by the world, amen? And the church at Antioch were called Christians first. It's almost 70 years after Jesus died, they were called Christians. So the label that's given to us is not nearly as important as what's in us, amen? When the Holy Ghost is inside of us, you can't put a label on what God's trying to do through us. You literally cannot put somebody in a box or a place where God is going to bring them out of. Yeah, it makes sense. It may be organized, but God is a God of making message so that he can message, so he can make a message out of you. That's what I'm trying to, he literally wants to create a testimony so crafted to your life that nobody else can have your testimony or else why would in Revelation it say that they came out by the power of the blood and by the power of their testimony if your testimony was like everybody else's then you would not have a reason to share it in heaven someday but someday I'm going to stand on streets of gold and I'm going to walk by the crystal sea and I'm going to say the reason I was here is because my guide Jesus let me follow him and he brought me home. I'm so grateful that I've learned to live above the labels that people put on my life. They stamped me with this. and tried. If I was living back in the day, they would have stamped me with ADD. They would have put me on Ritalin. They would have put me on all kinds of stuff. Because, yeah, I couldn't sit still. I can't sit still now. I can barely stay on my notes when I'm trying to preach. I drive the tech team crazy because they're like, he's given us an outline and he's nowhere on that outline. But I will do better. I promise I will do better. In Jesus' name, I'm going to keep following him and preaching better sermons. Amen. But the thing is, 
is while we're doing all of that stuff and while God's working on me and building this church, I'm just so grateful because when we get to the end of whatever God chooses to do with this place, the one thing that they can say about this whole thing is that all of us chose to follow Jesus. We may not do everything exactly right. We may do everything better than somebody else. It doesn't even matter. What matters is when we walk in this place, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And that is our primary goal. And that is what we're going to do. Get up, fall down, scrape our knees, bruise our, bruise our hip. Whatever comes along in our lives, circumstances, situations, every person in here, by the time they stand to lift their hands and worship at the first note, they can say, God, forgive me if I've done anything wrong. God, thank you for helping me, and I'm going to keep on following you. That's what I want to be as a follower of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Amen, amen. So I want to live above the label. Acts eleven twenty six says, And when he had found him, he brought, unto, he brought him unto Antioch, which had come to pass, and it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church. So when he found Paul, he brought him to Antioch and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. There was a label given to the Christians before they were called Christians. Did you know that? They were called disciples or saints. The label that was given to us as Christians may fade away. It may become very unpopular to be called a Christian. It is somewhat unpopular right now, but it will never be unpopular to be a follower of Jesus Christ because he honors people who follow him. Amen? So I want to live above that label. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If he chooses to walk on water, then I choose to follow him. Peter had a really strong sense of this. And so we understand that whenever he was talking about who Jesus was, it changed his life because he said, Peter, you've been, you've been boisterous and you've been shifty all your life, but I call you a rock. I call you something different than you've been all your life. Because whenever God starts speaking to you, it changes who you are. So it's obvious that in the scriptures that we see that somewhere around 60-something A.D., these scriptures were written, and the understanding is that there, was, there were people that lived before them. And so I want to be a person that, not, that doesn't have a label to classify what I do and what I don't do, but I want to be like Christ. Now, Christian's not a bad word. It just means simply that you're Christ-like, that you're living, talking, acting like Jesus. Anybody want to live like that? Um, that's where the whole what would Jesus do thing came from, where people wear bracelets, but, but they don't really ask themselves, what would Jesus do? <laughs> they just wear it because it's popular. And so now protracted out and, and brought into our world, our space, there's 28,000 plus different religious denominations in this world right now. Christian means everything from someone who would be willing to die for Jesus to someone who is with has a fish bumper sticker and that's all they have that, everything in between that's what a christian seems to be in our world and as a christian i don't want to be the person that slaps something a label on my life but can't live up to it because god literally detests that amen he doesn't like it when we put on mask or pretend to be something we're not so if there's anything you can do is be honest with yourself and be honest with God and cut everything back to I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't have to have everything else right, but I'm just going to keep following Jesus and it will make things right for me. So I've come to declare that we are going to live above labels in this church. Amen. We're not going to label people because sometimes when you label something, you label it according to the way you see it, and God might be in the process of changing them while you're seeing them. Isn't it interesting that God constantly metamorphoses us and changes us into new things in Him while we're following Him? And some people tend to judge you while you're in the process of the cocoon, amen? While they see you as what you once were, and you're trying to change, and they label you as what you once were, you get uncomfortable with that label because they happen to have label while you were in the twist, amen, while you were in the turn to be something more than what you've ever been. And I'm so grateful that God doesn't hold us in one spot based upon our past decisions, but allows us to follow him into greater things, amen. So call me a Christian if you want to. Call me apostolic if you want to. Call me Pentecostal if you want to. Those are all different kinds of labels. But each one has a specific aspect to it.
And in those aspects, I want to live that out. Yeah, you can call me a saint or a disciple. Just don't call me late to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's all I'm asking. Just know that I'm going to be there when the trumpet sounds. I'm headed out of here because I'm not going to let any label or anything on this earth become more valuable to me than what Jesus has put in my life. So I want to follow him with everything in me. Everything in me. I'm following him till he calls us home. The other things that I found in the scripture is that Paul was getting, Paul's giving all kinds of instruction, but he says in 1 Corinthians 13 2, it says, and I have, and if I have prophetic power and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. When we are following Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you the capacity to love your brother and sister in the family of God. D.L. Moody said this, he said, faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Grace is a beautiful thing, but the Bible says that love can cover a multitude of sins. And the, the interesting thing I found is that whenever you love somebody enough to love them out of where they've been, that you literally can say, follow me as I follow Christ. How many could ever say that? It's such a huge statement. It's such a large statement that, that Paul says when he's like, you, if you follow me, you will be following Christ Jesus because I follow Christ Jesus so closely that every step I take, if you put your foot right behind me, you will be following Jesus. I want to have a life like that. I was in sales for a little while and they say that if you want to close a, a, a high a high impact sale that you need to do certain things within the sales process. You have to have a track of sales and you have to ask certain big questions and you have to process things a certain way. And whenever they ask, whenever they say something, you have to dig deep into those questions, into those areas and find pain points and then solve those pain points. I mean, it's just all this sales jargon that I was trained on. And, and they said, if you want to do a really high end sale, one of the most impacting things that you can do is mirror the person sitting across the desk. If they put their hand up like this, you talk a little bit and then you put your hand up like that. You start mirroring that person. And they said, you watch this. And, and you, if you do this, if they're sitting there and then they cross their legs, then you, you might be behind a desk, but you take the same position. Because for some reason, the human psychology seems to be more comfortable with somebody that's like them or similar to them or doing the same thing. I've actually done this in a sales process where I was sitting there doing different things and I, I was visible and I went to cross my legs and that person was behind a desk and they went, Toof, and they hit the desk. They, they mimicked my actions because I had been mirroring them long enough. They started doing the same thing I was doing. And the Bible says that when we follow Jesus Christ, we become like him. Literally, we begin to mirror Jesus Christ in this world. So people, when they look to us, they're not looking at us necessarily. If we've been following Jesus long enough, they see Jesus mirrored in our life. And the impact is so amazing that it changes them to want to live the way we're living. I don't, need to, I don't need to know all that's going on in this world to know that if I just keep following him, I'll make an impact. I'll make an impact, Tanya. That's important to me. And I hope that's important to you because you need to make an impact on somebody. They said the average person impacts eight people in their lifetime. The average person. I'm looking at a bunch of above average people. I know that. How many people would you impact in your lifetime? And how are you impacting them? Do you love them? Do you care for them like Jesus would? Do you extend to them mercy and grace? Are you willing to talk to them and teach them? There was one lady in a church who was driving by a palm reader, a palm reader establishment. She, this lady had a business and she read palms and stuff like that. And she was like, she just kept felt kept feeling the Lord quicken her to, you need to go in there and you need to share the gospel with that lady. And so she, she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not very good. 
How many know that whenever you're in trial and in struggle and whenever God asks you to do something, that's when the, those are the times, those are the moments when you, when you understand that I am the real deal. I am truly a follower. Whenever you get into difficult trials and difficult struggles and you stay faithful to God or when you hear God tell you to do something that's very uncomfortable to you that, and you go ahead and do it, that is when you know that you are following God, when you're the real deal. And she was like so uncomfortable. But if God always keeps us comfortable, then why do we need a comforter? Why would we need the Holy Ghost in our life to comfort us if he always leads us to places that are comfortable? The message is not for us to take on this laid back, easygoing, I come to this church mentality. But it literally is to know that we've joined an army. Can you imagine a soldier on the front lines running back to his commander? They're shooting at me. Real bullets out there. Can you believe that? The the audacity of them. They're firing weapons at me. Can you imagine? That colonel, that captain would be like, you're out of this army, man. You're done. I don't want you back out there. You're putting somebody's life on the line. We sometimes, and it may have been the way that we were taught the gospel when we were young, you know, just you, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get filled with the Holy Ghost in an altar of repentance, and God falls on you and you speak in other tongues as an evidence that God has filled you and you know he's with you. And then, and then you walk a life that, that's following Jesus Christ. But for some reason in that process, it's like, okay, we're done. I, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized. I'm now learning, but I'm... I'm done, I'm good, I'm in, I've got my ticket to heaven, my one-way ticket. But really, that's not what it is at all. You joined an army, and you need to train yourself, and you need to work to present the gospel. That's what it said when I read the text. It said, work at it. Put effort into presenting the gospel. Each one of us need to do that. That's for Jordan. That's for you, Ben. That's for every one of us, not just pastors working to present Bible studies on Wednesday night or whatever. That's all of us. We have to be able to share the gospel. So this this lady was like, I don't know if I can do this. I, I feel awkward. But she pulled on in, went on inside, and she started sharing the gospel with this lady. She gave her her number, and she didn't know if it would come to anything or not, but she left the place. About 15 minutes later, her cell phone goes off, and this woman is calling her, and she's like, hi, yeah, I'm the palm reader the, that you just stopped at. I just want to give you the number to my sister because she's even more evil than I am. <laughs> she's worse. She's worse than I. And she's like, she got in the car. She like pulled over afterwards. She's, she's in the car. She's like, yes, I got my first referral. Yes. <laughs> I am a true follower of Jesus Christ. I shared when it was uncomfortable. I talked and told her about Jesus and how he could change her life. And she recognized it enough that she wanted her sister, who was even further into witchcraft, to hear that message and change her life. It's all about whether you're willing to do it whether you're willing to be an example because Jesus was our example. Do you look like him? Do you act like him? Do you love like him? Do you care like him? Do you give like him? Talk like him? Walk like him? Pray like him? Fast like him? Change change happens when you do that. You shake your world. You literally will shake your world. Jesus promises that greater works, and I'm ending with this. Greater works we will do. How is that even possible, Betty? Have you seen what he did in the scriptures? Greater works than these shall he do. What an amazing claim. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, John 14, 12 says, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. How is that possible? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. That is the only way it's possible. And when we walk after him, we walk in the Spirit. So, I wanted to end today with an understanding of this scripture because this is not a happenstance. This is not just 
some place in the scripture where Jesus just said a few words. Jesus gathered 12 men by saying, come follow me. Jesus gathers the world by saying, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. I don't know what your cross is. I don't know what you're bearing today. But whatever you have to carry, even if you have to carry it all your life, it's worth following him to Golgotha because on the other side of death with him is resurrection. The Old Testament, the firstborn followed the Father. Jesus was called the firstborn of every creation. And the firstborn inherited everything, including the place where his Father lived and the land. So everything that God owns, Jesus purchased for us because he was God in flesh. And because he purchases for us and he is the first fruits, when we follow him and when we're baptized into him and when we are born again, we are like him. And the Bible says in the last days that whenever we get to heaven, you might not like the way I look now, but just hold on because when I get there, the Bible says I'm going to be just like him. And which means I'll have the same inheritance that he had. Isaiah followed Abraham. Isaac, I'm sorry, followed Abraham. And his son Jacob followed him. And in three generations, it changed so much that God had to change Jacob's whole name. It's powerful what God does when we follow him. Elijah walked by Elisha and just swept him with his mantle and kept walking. And Elijah was the 12th man plowing that day. He was like everybody else on that field. But he followed. When Jesus told his disciples, come and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. They knew it was going to be work, but they knew it would be worth it. Are you passing the tests in your life right now? Are you passing the tests? Are you determined to love God with all your heart. As I close, give me James 1.12. It says, Blessed is the man who patiently endures and is steadfast under a trial. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The Lord has promised the crown of life. No matter what the trial is, no matter what the difficulty is, if you stay faithful to God and you are holding on to Him through the whole trial and you keep following Him, God says it's the same as loving Him. If you, give me that scripture again. Literally, I will give the crown of life not to those that persevere, but to those that loved Him or love him. You standing strong through a trial in your life is the indicator that you truly love Jesus and that you're following him. Would you stand with me? He's promised the crown of life. Another place is called eternal life because there's no other descriptor you can put on the kind of life that God gives than eternal So in 2 Timothy 4 and 1 and 8, it says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word. That's what we're going to do this year. We're just going to preach Jesus. Be prepared. We're going to be prepared for those that want to be discipled. Whether the time is favorable or not, whether it's a good time or not, we're going to be ready. And we're going to patiently correct and rebuke and encourage people with good teaching for the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching they will follow after their own desires and I know that's true but there's going to be some that will follow after Jesus and maybe you have not been as faithful maybe you've fallen I don't know maybe there's some things that you've loved more than Jesus you only you only know 
bring down the lights, Seth, if you would. You only know what your heart is chasing after right now. And I'm asking all of us to do a self-examination. Whenever God passes out the crown of life, will you receive one? Because you stayed with him and followed him through every test and every trial. And you said, my life is yours. My life is yours. I give everything to you. I don't know if you remember, but those 23 men that were captured by the Taliban back in right around 2011, they were all ministers that were over in Afghanistan trying to make a difference. And they literally were like, they gathered in a circle before they split them up. And one lady had one Bible and she tore it into 23 pieces and they passed the Bible around to each one of them in secret. And she said, now you have the word of God to go with you. And each one of them made a declaration as they stood in a circle before they were broke up and taken all over the land. And eventually they started trying to, they started beheading each one of them. But as they were standing there in a circle, they started saying, my life is yours, God. If it gives you glory for me to lay it down, I lay it down because I'm following you to the grave. And then one guy said, you know what? If they're going to kill anybody, I want to go first because I'm a pastor. And then the other guy said, no, no, no. You never got, you never actually got your license before we left on this trip. I actually am a licensed minister, so I'm going to go first. They literally had so much of God in the biggest struggles of their life. And then another one said, no, you two are all wrong. I'm actually an ordained minister. Neither of you are ordained. I'm going first if anybody goes. And he ended up being the one that gave his life first. But when they got off the, that, when they got set free, there was some sort of military action that freed all of them. And they got back, some of them, to the United States. About two years later, they got back together for a lunch together. As many of them as could make it. And while they were sitting around the table, one of the guys said, don't you miss it? Don't you miss how close we felt to Jesus when we were in the greatest trial of our life? He goes, I have never felt so close to God than when I was so hopeless except for to hold on to him and to follow him. I promise you, you will not regret giving your life to Jesus. That's all I have today, but I want you to know that that is the true and real deal. When you have held on to him with everything that you have through every struggle and every trial, that is when you can truly say, I have loved you, Jesus, because he gives a crown of life to those that do that. Bow your heads with me, Jesus, today. I'm trying to communicate in a way that makes someone draw their heart to you and someone put their footstep behind yours. And somehow today, would you help us to make a complete confidence, to make a complete commitment to what you're doing. Our victory is found in you. No matter where we're at right at this moment, our victory is found in you. And as you tell us to go into places that others may not go into, we will follow.